Welcome, everyone. Welcome to River House. I'm Justin Ross. I'm excited to be with you tonight. And um, I want to ask you something because I feel like the Lord wants to do some things in this place tonight. And it's going to require us to stay connected to our spirit man. You know, we just, we just hosted the presence of the Lord so wonderfully in this place. How many of you felt his presence touching your life? And I, more so than, uh, than preaching or teaching tonight, I feel like the Lord actually wants us to catch something. I love preaching, I love teaching, but that's not my assignment tonight. So I'm going to stick to my assignment, amen? And for us to accomplish what the Lord wants for us tonight, it's actually going to be a receiving by our spirit. Because, check this out, your mind will miss it, but your spirit will catch it. So I just want you to do something. We just, we just check in with your spirit real quick and just ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher tonight. Just begin to say that out loud. Holy Spirit, come and teach me tonight. Holy Spirit, come and release something to me tonight. Come and release what you have for me tonight, Holy Spirit. And we, we allow our minds to be subject to our spirit man tonight. We just say, mind, be subject to our spirit man tonight. Mind, don't get in the way. That mind's a great servant, but a bad master. If you agree with that word, just say amen. Amen. I'm a, I'm a little messed up, honestly. <laughs> we got to talk to this worship team about helping our preachers out around here. Uh, I'm a little wrecked, to be completely honest, and I'm probably going to stay that way. Because I want you to get wrecked. And, uh, yeah, half my notes are not even valid anymore. We just accomplished so much. Wow, thank you, Lord. I've been so impressed with what God's been releasing to us through Pastor Jordan. There's a city of God in heaven. Revelation 21 talks about the city. It's a real city. And the cities of this earth are a mirror of that city. And there are communities in heaven. There are elders and there are angels and there are saints and what's up there is a mirror of what's happening down here in us. And there's a paradigm. There's a pastoral paradigm that I want to, I feel like the Lord wants to release to us tonight and add to what God's already been sharing with us. This paradigm has been helping me so much. It's the city of God. It's the city of God, and it looks like this, a temple a temple that we see in heaven, a vertical space where God's people are ascending and touching his heart like what we just did here. God's people touching his heart. And there's also circus, circle spaces, say circle spaces. And these are our homes. 
These are our families. These are our house churches. And these are crucial spaces for us to experience belonging and connection and love and to be cultivated into the people that God has for us to be. And then there's a marketplace, same marketplace. This is the entrepreneurial grace poured out in God's people, poured out in you and poured out in me. Business, industry, starting things that God would have you and me to start. Being a part of things that he would have us to be a part of. And this paradigm has been helping me so much understand the season that we're in. Because God's releasing a new paradigm for us to grab a hold of. And if we grab a hold of it, we're going to actually help God build the city of God. We're going to help the city of this earth look like the city that we see in heaven. Amen? Where there's freedom to captives. Where there's homes and families for orphans. This is the call of God on our lives, is to partner with God in building the city that he has in mind. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, it says this, by faith, Abraham, say Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Did you catch that? He obeyed and went, even though he didn't have understanding. That's the journey that Pastor AJ was talking about last week with faith. Faith is a journey of hearing, receiving, obeying, which is partnering with it, and then walking it out, and in time, getting understanding. And this is what we're doing tonight. This is what we're doing is... There's a call going to go out to you tonight. Just like it went out to Abraham, a call went forth, and he partnered with it in here, and then he walked it out, and eventually it became an inheritance. I'll keep reading. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham saw a city through the eyes of faith. It's what he saw. He saw possibly the same city that some of you and I have seen. The call to something different than the city of this earth. The call to the city of God that God wants to build in our city. Abraham saw a city. It was God's city. And that's why he obeyed it. And that's why without even understanding it, he started putting feet to it and walking it out. And what happened was he was able to bring his own family into it. Isaac and Jacob became part of the inheritance that Abraham had by faith. Tonight, God's after us, you guys. 
He's saying, will you see the city that I want to build? Will you see the city that I want to build in your own home? Will you, will you partner by faith before you understand it? Fifteen years ago, I did this. My wife and I got a word from the Lord, and it was, it was go to a land I'll show you. I was like, whoa. A year later, we ended up in Boise, Idaho. We didn't have any understanding, but we knew we partnered in faith. Many of you have done the same thing. I've heard your stories. You saw a city by faith. You partnered with something in here. And now you're here building the city of God in Boise, Idaho. And your family's part of it. Your family's part of the inheritance. God's got such a call on our families, you guys. So the temple, the homes, the marketplaces, the temple, the homes, the marketplace. Three contexts for the kingdom. Traditionally, if we operate on a traditional paradigm, we'll think that the church is actually the temple space. When we think of going to church, we think of going to a temple space like this. But that paradigm won't work where we're going. It won't work. Because so much of what was released in Scripture, both in Jesus' life, in Paul's life, was all three of those contexts. You can put it up again, Sally. All three of those contexts. The temple. Peter and John are walking down the road in Acts chapter 3. And they see a guy at the temple gate called Beautiful. And he's a lame man. And what do they do? They lay their hands on him and they raise him up. And it gets them in big trouble. They spend a night in jail over that one. Why? They didn't see the temple as the church. They saw themselves as the church. You see... This paradigm will help you and I function and flourish in every environment we find ourselves in. We got to stop thinking about going to church. We don't go to church. We are the church, people. When you're in your marketplace assignment, and I've had some of those in my life, when you're there, you're the church on assignment in the marketplace. You're bringing... You're bringing the fire of God in here. And I'm so excited because I've never seen more grace coming on the left side of that screen as, as what I see now. I've never seen more grace in the six years I've been here on our house churches than what I see now. And the reason is because of what's been cultivated these last year, year and a half in the temple space. As we've gathered here and we've prioritized the Lord here. A lot of our paradigms come from in churches we prioritize people. Right? Churches are about people. We're not prioritizing people. We're prioritizing the Lord. People are really important. Every single one of us is really important. But what the Lord wants is the most important thing. 
And we began something here where we prioritize the Lord and what he wants this to be. And people come in second place. And that fire started something. It started this Levitical priesthood call on each one of us that's still burning today. And as we've learned and heard messages about stewarding the priestly call on my life and your life to minister to the heart of God first, I'm watching that now spill over into our house churches. I'm watching our house churches send me texts and messages about, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's starting to happen. People are starting to catch fire. The fire of intimacy is flowing out of the temple space into the house space. And this is just the beginning. And yes, I'm going to talk about house churches tonight. But listen, I'm not going to make you feel bad about not going to house church. I'm not. I am going to give you a fresh invitation. No push, but a little bit of pull. And the reason is because of what we're about to watch the Lord do. We're about to watch the Lord breathe on our house churches. I'm telling you, my eyes have seen it. We're about to watch people gather in their homes and living rooms. And it's going to start changing their neighborhoods. The presence of the Lord hosted in our homes is going to change some of our marriages and families. I'm telling you, it's coming. So my poll tonight, if I poll, it's not because I'm trying to get you to sign up for some program. It's because I care about you. And I want you to be a part of what the Lord's breathing on. He's taking the fire that's been stewarded and cultivated in the temple space, and it's spilling out into the home space. That's what he's doing. And that fires me up. Acts 5.42, it says this. Listen, listen this, is the, this is the New Testament church. Day after day, in the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. It was a rhythm. It was a pattern that houses and homes were the epicenter of what God was doing in the early church. So much so that Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's about to be poured out on Pentecost. Do you know where that happens? It happens in a house. Whoa, we're charismatics. That's like our Bible automatically opens to that part of the. <laughs> that happened in a house. The spirit of God pouring himself out in a house. Wow. I started reading a. A book, I won't endorse it because I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> I've learned that lesson. <laughs> it's called, uh, maybe I shouldn't say what it's called. <laughs> it's called The Road to Character. And the book, the author, talks about our current modern day culture. 
and how character has been sidelined in our culture. And he compares culture 70, 80 years ago in our own country versus today's culture. And he, he talks about how the ecosystem of even our secular culture 70 and 80 years ago, there was a considerable amount of humility in our culture. We valued it. We, we valued not talking about ourselves. We valued things like letting another man's lips praise you and not your own. These were cultural pieces. And he called that a culture of humility. And he rightly called our modern-day culture the culture of the big me. And I read this, and I thought, wow, the big me. I never thought of that. But later that day, I was watching a football game. And a football player made a very small, insignificant play. But he went on and on and on, celebrating how amazing he was. And it was like, there it is. There's the big me culture. Jesus taught us that greatness is found in surrender. It's not found in our own doing. It's not found in our own accomplishments. Jesus showed us a better way. And God's inviting us to build a city. It won't be with the big me. That's why worship's so important. You know what worship does? Gets rid of the big me. If we don't, we don't worship him and place him first, God knows we are wired to worship. He knows if we don't worship him, we'll worship ourselves. This is what the world's doing. The world's worshiping itself. Social media is a great platform to worship yourself. I'm not anti-social media. I just hate it that there's a platform for the big me. Broadcast it all over the world, how amazing I am. It's like, stop. Worship's so critical for us, you guys, because God wants us to build his city with him. And we won't do it with the big me in here. So worship positions us to push aside what's culturally been normalized, which is the big me. It positions us to put the big he on stage. I'm not about me. I'm about you. And I'm not just about me on Sunday night, but also when I'm driving home with my kids and I'm cranky and frustrated. The fire of intimacy from the temple has to flow to our houses and our homes. Otherwise, we're kidding ourselves if we're building the city of God. So if we don't meet in our homes, we don't influence our homes. And that's why the early church was seen in all three of those places. The marketplace. Lydia was a marketplace person. Acts 16, you can read about her. She was a powerful woman in the marketplace. Where God used her profoundly with Paul's companions. Whole church, they think churches were begun from Lydia's contacts and connections in the marketplace. 
Some of you are called like Lydia's in the marketplace. You're going to start businesses. You're going to start programs in our city. You're going to start things. You're going to manage and own things that are going to transform the city if you get the big me out of the way. If you don't, you'll build your own city. You'll build your own kingdom. You'll build your own business. But the opportunity we have is to partner with him. First love. Freedom flowing from my heart. Partnering with God in building the city that he wants in Boise, Idaho. That fires me up, you guys. So worship's so important. It's so important. And it's not just important here. It's important in our homes. It's important as a lifestyle. Amen? Amen. I'm way off my notes here. We got a couple of shifts that I just want to talk through real quick. The first shift we got to recognize is church is not a place. It's a people. Church is not a place. I'm not going to be the word police. You can still say you're going to church, of course. I know what you mean. But see, if, if church is a place we go, how much of our life are we missing out on? Church is a people we are. We're people of his presence, which means we take his presence wherever we go. And things happen. Where God's presence is, things happen. So we got to get out of the thinking that church is a place. It's not a place. It's a people. It's people like you and people like me. Amen? We're also shifting in our apostolic paradigm. Our pastoral is going to look a lot less taking care of people to preparing people for their callings. Nothing wrong with taking care of people. I love taking care of people. But what I love more is preparing people. Preparing people. Why? Because you've got a calling in this city. You've got the seeds of the kingdom inside of you. And yeah, we're going to take care of you when there's time to take care of you. But we're going to spend more energy preparing you. Because I believe if worship, if you get rid of the big me... And if worship is a reality in your life, the seeds of the kingdom inside of you will be activated and cultivated, and you'll go change the city. You'll reach people I'll never reach. You'll have things going on I can never do, because that's how the kingdom works. Amen? Yeah, first love changes us. I've been marked by our first love encounters if you have not been to a prayer set, I want to invite you to a prayer set. Our first love experiences in this room have marked me these last few years. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful we pushed through the barriers of discomfort. It's uncomfortable sometimes to worship that long. We've had to push through 
discomfort, but we've done it. And now something's birthing this fire of intimacy for God, with God. The fire of first love is spreading, you guys. It's going to spread to every part of our city. First love in a house church experience is what I call presence bonding. You've heard of trauma bonding? Unfortunately, most of us have. Trauma bonding is when we bond through crisis. Presence bonding is when we bond through experiencing the presence of the Lord together. And some of us haven't, we haven't found our people yet. And I want to tell you, they're waiting for you. They're waiting for you when you get rid of the big me. And you worship the Lord with all your heart. And somebody next to you is going to go, whoa, man, we got to go grab coffee. Or I've got a word for you. It's happened to me with at least five people in this room. I've been worshiping the Lord in a circle environment. And all of a sudden, the Lord gives me a word for them, and they got a word for me. And it's like, oh, my gosh, something just connected us in the spirit. That's presence bonding. Some of us are going to find, dare I say, our spouses through presence bonding. I got your attention now. Some of us are going to find close companions and friends through presence bonding. But listen, it's probably not going to happen in a room full of 500. You're going to have to put yourself in a living room and circle up around a coffee table and worship the Lord with all you've got and watch God bond you with the people he has for you. This is how God builds families. Wow, I'm getting fired up over that one. (laughs) I want to talk about cultivation spaces. Anybody here garden? Who gardens? Raise your hand. Unashamedly, raise it. Okay, thank you. I'm a gardener. Gardens are dirty. Gardens are messy. Gardens need shovels and tools and manure. Say manure. Just make sure you're awake. But they grow the best fruit. Our house churches, our families, our cultivation spaces. They're like gardens, which means they're messy sometimes. But you know what? The mess is where we grow. They're not manufactured places. We live in such a manufactured world where we want it all nice and clean and separate and beautiful and without inconvenience and no growth. If we're going to become the people that build the city of God, we're going to have to be okay with messy. And I'm a guy that doesn't like messy. <laughs> it's, a li- it's a little loud, babe. A little loud. Ugh. 
Why is it messy? Because people are getting real. People sharing their hurts. People sharing their disappointments. People sharing their victories, their setbacks, their things they need God to come through for in their lives. Jesus was really comfortable in messy spaces. He didn't panic. He didn't freak out because he knew the kingdom was near. Jesus is near messy spaces. I've actually learned to love messy spaces. My friends make fun of me about it. It's true. Jesus is in the messy space with us. So if you get involved in a house church or if you start a family, you're going to find some mess. But you know what? It's exactly what you need. Why? Because it's where cultivation happens. And I love, I love this picture. Years ago, I saw this picture in my spirit. It was a picture of trees. It's a picture of our city. And in my spirit, I saw this, this, this landscape of trees. And then I, the Lord brought me to Isaiah 61. Which Isaiah 61 is such a beautiful piece of literature. It says, you will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor. And you know why we need cultivation spaces? Is because God's wanting you to be one of those trees. In the city that God's building You're an oak tree. The problem is, is you're just not there yet. And neither am I. But it's a cultivation space that grows you from that sapling to an oak tree. And so many of us are afraid to put ourselves in messy spaces where we can grow and be cultivated. But I want to tell you, if you do it, your life will never be the same. If you put yourself in a cultivation space, a circle space, where it's a healthy culture, God will use it to grow what's inside of you. And you will become that oak of righteousness that God calls you in Isaiah 61. So that's why we need cultivation spaces. Amen? It's because we're becoming oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor. The other reason why we, we need house churches and families is because of it activates us. Activation. Say activation. I remember I was, I was a younger believer and I was just starting to hear God's voice. And I remember I was in an activation space. Cultivation space. And what happened was this. I would start to pray for somebody and think, I think I'm hearing a word from, from the Lord. And my heart would start beating. And my palms would start sweating. Because I wasn't activated yet. And then I would get nervous, like, I think I'm going to say something because it's kind of a, it's a space for that. And then somebody next to me would start saying what I was about to say. 
whoa. And that happened enough times I started realizing I'm hearing the Lord's voice. I just haven't been activated yet. And I want to tell you something. It's time to get activated. It's time to get activated. Jesus did this. He created a circle space. He brought 12 guys into a space, and then he activated them. And in Mark 6, 7, and Luke 10, 1, he says, Okay, guys, you've watched me do this. Now it's your turn. Go get them. It's your turn. That's what activation does. It takes us from spectators to participants. From spectators to participants. And those guys grew that day because they were activated. And I want to tell you something. It's time for some of us to get activated. It's time to stop sitting in a row. I'm glad you're here, by the way. Put yourself in a circle space and get activated. Because that's when you're really going to grow. Man, those 12 guys came back with all kinds of questions. Jesus, how did you do this? Jesus, I was thinking this. What do you think? They came back with a whole set of questions they never would have had before. Because they were activated. The Lord wants to activate us. He wants to activate you because he cares what's inside of you. It needs to go to the city. It needs to be grown. It needs to be cultivated. It's time to get activated, church. Amen? Okay. Listen, if God's plan was, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. If God's church, God's plan was just mega church gatherings, I think he would have done that. I think Jesus would have just had large gatherings all the time, and that's all he ever did. If that was God's plan for the earth, I think America would be in good shape. We've got some of the greatest churches on the planet. We've got a lot of spectators. A lot of people waiting to be activated. People like you that'll change the city if you obey a call by faith. Maybe don't have the understanding, but partner with it and watch the Lord build an inheritance in your life. Just like Abraham. The next thing the big me does is it tells us our gifts are for us. It's hard. Sometimes I've, you know, get home from work. I'm tired. My flesh is like, you don't have to go to revival group tonight or house church tonight. You don't have to do it. You know, you worked hard today. It's okay. Don't do it. And then the spirit of the Lord reminds me. Your gifts aren't for you. They're for them. And the big me in our culture wants to tell us that your gifts are for you. It's actually not true. My gifts aren't for me. My gifts are to serve you. I heard somebody say, he's in me for me, but he's on me for you. That's true of you. 
So we have to remember our gifts are not for ourselves. If you decide not to go, okay, what about the person next to you who might not give what you carry? When we think like that, without manipulation, there's times to not go, okay? Let me just say that. Without manipulation at all. What about the people who are going to receive from what I have to carry? What about the people who need the love that I've got? Or the encouragement, or the wisdom, or the prophetic word, or the intercession. All the things that are inside of you and are inside of me are for each other. When we're activated and in a space of cultivation, our gifts are not for us. They're for the body to be built up the way Jesus wants it to. Listen, there are reasons why we can't do things sometimes, and there are also excuses. So sometimes there's reasons why we can't be a part of things. I get that. But I would encourage you, as a pastor in the body, as somebody who loves this church, I would encourage you, examine your reasons from time to time. Because sometimes reasons can be excuses. They can And we can have blind spots. Amen? Examine our reasons. All right. The last thing I want to talk about here is that our house churches and our homes are organic spaces. Meaning this. We're going to have to lose our perfectionism. When you have a family and you have a bunch of kids, man, it breaks your perfectionism real quick. (laughs) Things you never thought you would put up with and tolerate when you were a single man. (laughs) You're like, wow, this is breaking perfectionism in me. And I want to encourage us, our families, our house church environments, our homes, they're not perfect. They're organic spaces, which means sometimes they're going to grow quickly. Sometimes they're going to grow slowly. Sometimes they're just going to die. Sometimes they're just going to have to be restarted over and over again. I'm talking about house churches, not families. (laughs) Sometimes leaders are going to change. Sometimes leaders are going to be there forever. Like it's an organic Hey everyone, due to some internet issues, the final 15 minutes or so of this sermon were not recorded, unfortunately. We apologize for that, but hope you were blessed by what you got from it. We bless you this week and hope to see you next Sunday. Love you much.